0: Barbie, she's everywhere right now and hard to escape from. Today we're taking a look underneath all the hype and potential agendas going on with this revival.
1: Barbie is now 60 years old and facing what people are calling the most expensive rebrand
0: in the world. Barbie's owner Mattel has teamed up with Warner Brothers and spent $145 million and another $100 million on the marketing. With so much at stake,
1: we just had to know what people really think about Barbie's big comeback. Is she
0: just a relic from a bygone era, desperately dragged back from the last century? Or maybe, just maybe, we're totally into this whole thing because it takes us back to being younger when we loved our Barbies. Remember all that pink, glitter and sparkles, pretending that we had the most beautiful dresses and picture-perfect houses? And of course, let's not forget Ken. Oh, Ken, we have a lot to say about Ken. Okay, Sarah, get into the hot pink convertible because we're going straight to the comments. So Sarah, in preparation for this episode, I actually asked our lovely Instagram followers if they were planning to see Barbie, and I can reveal that 65% said they were planning to see it, and 35% said they're not going to see it. I found that interesting because I actually thought everyone was going to see it, from what you're seeing online.
1: Yeah, I think online definitely, and I maybe had that perception too, but when I mentioned I was going to see it, I actually had people going, I didn't even know there was a Barbie movie, so I I don't know how they
0: missed it, but... um. (laughs) So today we're going to talk all things Barbie, including we're going to talk about the film, the online reactions, your reactions, which you shared with us on Instagram, including what you really think of Barbie, what you really did to your Barbies, which really cracks Sarah and I up and more on that later. But first I thought we'd do a quick Barbie origin story and a bit more about the business side of this and what's at stake for Mattel with this huge Barbie comeback. So. Barbie was invented by Ruth Handler in the 1950s. Ruth was the co-founder with her husband, Elliot, of the toy company, Mattel. And she was inspired by watching their daughter play with sort of make-believe paper dolls of adult women. And in that moment, Ruth realized there was a sort of unfulfilled niche in the market for a toy that allowed little girls to imagine their future. And it was actually while she was on holiday in Switzerland, she saw this beautiful blonde doll in a Swiss toy shop window, and she was actually quite captivated with it. And when she went inside to inquire about it, she found out it was called Lily. And it was in fact, a sort of sex toy joke handed out at bachelor parties. But that didn't deter her. She brought the doll, put it in her handbag, went back to America, and she actually um, ordered for it to be made up into a prototype. And just to discuss Barbie's proportions, she's got this 39 inch bust, 21 inch waist and 33 inch hips. I do remember reading that, um, you know, if Barbie was a real
1: person, someone had done these calculations, that her BMI would be so low, she wouldn't be able to straight. Her body could only fit half a liver and a small part of her intestines, that she'd be so unbalanced uh, that she wouldn't actually be able to stand up. She'd just topple over. Yeah. Another researcher calculated it was possible for a woman to have the same figure as Barbie, but the
0: chances were less than one in 100,000. I mean, it's insane, isn't it, really? Because like, This is the thing that Ruth made this prototype and she took it along to the New York Toy Fair in 1959 and she sort of showed it to the sort of, what was a very male dominated toy industry. She showed it to the kind of buyers and they were like, you cannot seriously want to sell that doll. It's improper. Look at her breasts. It's just all wrong. You know, little girls want to play with baby dolls and pretend to be mummy. But boy, were they wrong. I mean, Barbie has made billions for Mattel and accounts for 73% of its revenues, I found in a Forbes article. Nine out of 10 American girls own a Barbie. The Barbie brand has a staggering 99% brand awareness globally. Barbie's had over 250 careers, too many to mention. And Barbie was on her own for a full five years before they introduced Ken in 1961. Wow. But of course, she came with a lot of criticism and a huge backlash, especially in the 70s.
1: Oh absolutely because growing up in the 80s I was very aware of that Um, Mm -hmm. and you know there was actually research from 2006 that found that girls who were aged six to eight if they played with and witnessed her impossible beauty standards it actually led to an increase in their body dissatisfaction because it basically ingrained the pressure to be thin and it left them with negative emotions about their own size. Mm -hmm. On the other hand girls who played with full-figure dolls were not as conscious so that's quite an interesting finding. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people have very positive memories of it. So I saw this comment on New York Times that said, as a Latina whose looks doesn't fit the Barbie mold, I still never understood the hate of this doll. I had many Barbies growing up and these dolls helped me express my imagination. I'm quite fond reminiscing on the stories and worlds I created for my dolls. I never saw the doll as a person to strive to be, but the stories I created were more of a reflection of what was going on in my youth.
0: So that's an interesting, different perspective, but the research suggests otherwise. So Barbie had this phenomenal success, but she did start to have a decline by the mid-2000s. I mean, she faced serious competition. You know, she'd had 90% of the market share. I mean, that is staggering. She had no real main competitor Mm. until the Bratz came along in the mid-2000s. Do you remember them? Kind of. I mean, I never played with them. I was too old. But they had a sort of different sort of edgy, like really big head sort of look, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they really made Barbie look quite uncool and, and sort of dated. And then obviously we had all the Disney princesses. So Barbie sales really plummeted from their peak in 1993. So Barbie really was coming like out of fashion, just wasn't the demand anymore. But then in 2016, they sort of staged a sort of mini comeback, sort of to combat this decline. They came out with this sort of new diverse line of um, dolls with different body types. So they had tall, curvy and petite dolls. Um, They actually made a Zendaya Barbie doll who I would imagine is still a very thin Barbie. Exactly, so sticking still a little bit to the stereotype. Something I found confusing when researching this episode, is sort of a bit unclear about this curvy Barbie because they actually made an Ashley Graham one a couple of years ago, you know, the plus size supermodel. Mm -hmm. And she kind of was there posing with her doll and I was like, well, did they make the doll? Well, no, it was just all a big publicity stunt. They never actually put the doll into production. So I found that a little bit confusing what the purpose of that was and a lot of people said, oh I would have loved to have had this doll. So that's something I find confusing when Barbie tries to take on the plus size or fat curvy body shapes.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting because you mentioned a curvy Barbie, but BBC, um, the BBC news story in it, they'd calculated that curvy Barbie would have actually been a UK size six to eight waist and size eight hips. So it's not really that curvy. I don't know if you remember this, I remember in, um, it was in the 1997. uh, The Body Shop uh, launched a campaign where they'd sort of created um, a computer-generated figurine called Ruby. It was chubby-cheeked, it was chestnut-haired, and um, it was a brainchild of their self-esteem campaign, Love Your Body, long before I think Dove did that. Mm She was a size 16 and it was accompanied by the caption there are 3 billion women who don't look like supermodels and only 8 who do. And she sent the message that you should love what you've got not loathe it and I I just always remember that it really jumped out on me at the time.
0: Oh my goodness I can see a picture of her now I've looked it up she kind of looks like me naked. No I shouldn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) No I think you could say that yeah she's much more realistic. So The stakes are high for Mattel, right? There's $80 billion being spent on toys every year and nearly all the toys that were launched in the 80s, I mean, it was compulsory that they came with a cartoon, even a film. You remember My Little Pony, Care Bears? Nearly all of them had cartoons.
1: I actually don't remember the cartoons for them. I just remember the the toys themselves. I remember it in the other direction where um, cartoons then launched whole new um, merchandise range
0: you couldn't launch a toy basically without a show being attached to it and i think this is a really important point because i really like the quote that martin scorsese said about what we're seeing in the cinema the sort of last 15 years that we've sort of got stuck in what we call what he called amusement park cinema you know you've got all the comic book films like marvel dc what they call intellectual property probably a lot of you know about intellectual property but you just take something like a comic like Batman, and you just keep recycling it and recycling it, it's like a built-in fan base. It's easy, low risk to make most of the time. Mm. And that's why we're seeing in the cinema just this repetition because it's just so expensive to make movies, right? Yeah. Interesting is that lately the Marvel films, Star Wars, and even the new Indiana Jones, they're kind of losing their allure and not performing as well in the box office. But then Hollywood still wants to make these films that are a bit sort of like, well, we know there's going to be an interest in a fan base sort of ready-made so what Mm. does mattel do they hire a top entertainment executive as their ceo he's male by the way to turn all their sort of ip or their toys into entertainment kind of gold and so yeah i mean they got 45 toys they could potentially make into films including polly pocket i guess i'm bracing myself for a lot more of these toy themed movies barbie two and three and maybe even four yeah that's if mattel allow Margot Robbie to come back and play her over the next 30 years or maybe they CGI her to be younger like Harrison Ford. So I, <laughs> I hope that paints a good picture of why Mattel are putting so much on this Barbie film. Yeah, and they really are because the marketing has been
1: insane and it's just been everywhere. I, I mean, I went into uh, a BM, B&M store and I just saw um, these like cake bars that were Barbie cake bars and it was it was just, it's filtered down to everything. Mm. I've seen some comments um, about the marketing. For example, there was a Guardian comment that said, and the Oscar goes to the marketing team. And someone replied, all this hype has the inverse effect on me. I don't want to see it as I'm feeling forced. Mm -hmm. And there was a Daily Mail comment that said, I'm so tired of the Barbie PR. Just yesterday I went to the local bakery and all the pastries were pink or had pink icing. The front person said, it's Barbie week. Insert eye roll from
0: me. Did I buy any? No. I agree. I mean, it's absolutely everywhere. I mean, they even turned Google pink. The other day when I was searching for Barbie, all these pink, <laughs> dazzly, glittery stars kind of popped up and they even turned like, you know, where it's normally white on the search results, it was pink backdrop. So I was like, that's an insane level of marketing. That's an, I just mm. wouldn't like to think how much that cost. I mean, I imagine the marketing team is having the time of their lives. It's like a dream job in many ways. And it actually reminds me when I did my brief stint doing sort of film marketing at Disney. And, you know, when we were putting the kind of campaigns together for Avengers and the Muppets, it is so, like, so detailed. Like, every place you can be where you can be seen by your target demographic, you will be from YouTube takeover, as they call it, where you completely take over the YouTube homepage, to even doing a Miss Piggy hot pink nail polish partnership. I mean, it's literally about, like, being everywhere. Mm. And and what they talk about is that you just got to maximise that ip as much as possible including clothes music merchandise just be everywhere but a big part of it actually was getting the men online on site uh, mm. they were like they were considered like premium tier kind of press coverage so we needed to get their buy-in and also all the mummy bloggers especially Ooh. mumsnet and so we were a bit well i always felt personally not disney but i always felt personally a bit scared of mummy bloggers and um, they could be savage and they could really destroy a film if they, yeah, wanted they to. Like they, it. They were, yeah, don't like it. Yeah. They, so with this Barbie film, I was a bit like, well, it's obviously a mother and daughter proposition here, you know? What do you think?
1: Well, it was interesting because I think there was some confusion about whether this was for adults or for kids, like who it was aimed at. And the Lego films have been doing this for years. They're made for kids, but with adult jokes in there so that when the parents have to take them, they can enjoy it too. Mm-hmm. So someone asked on Mum's Net, hi, is this film okay for a nine-year-old? I've heard it's a 12A. My daughter is desperate to see it. Thanks. And someone said, there's nothing that inappropriate in it and she'll enjoy the first 30 minutes. But a lot of the later themes might fly over her head and she'll end up bored. Anecdotally from other parents who took 10-year-olds and younger.
0: Mm. But with this, it's been definitely marketed as nostalgia entertainment. I think for women of our age, sort of 30, maybe 35 plus up. So it'd be interesting to see if they can expand and build out a new fan base and if they will be selling more dolls off the back of this movie, or if they've kind of made a bit of a misstep with their target audience.
1: The nostalgia thing's really interesting. We saw this tweet that said, this Barbie trend is some sort of collective regression to childhood, most likely caused by insecurity, fear and anger at combined current and future calamities. So then they had hashtag pandemics, climate disasters, economic precarity, nuclear war. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. According to NIH, insecurity, fear, and anger can cause an adult to regress. In essence, individuals revert to a point in their development when they felt safer and when stress was non-existent or when an all-powerful parent or another adult would have rescued them. Mm-hmm. But there's nobody to rescue us now. This entire country is in need of therapy. But interestingly, I saw a reply that said, I mean, maybe, but also nostalgia is a hell of a drug. Tons of movies and shows over the past, what, 50 years are based on kids' toys and comic books? When they make a million Marvel movies or Star Wars or Mario Bros, is this regression? So it's interesting suggesting that um, timing after the pandemic is a big part of it, but actually it was in the works for many, many years before this. Getting onto the actual film itself, I mean, we're aiming to keep this as spoiler-free as possible for people who still haven't seen it yet, and I imagine that's a lot because it's only just opened. But Lisa, I know you went to... S- Early to see this film, what did you think of it?
0: Yes, I was there in Oslo, Friday at 1.10 in the cinema. I just have to make a point about the cinema in Oslo because normally it's very quiet. And for some reason, there was these really rowdy teenage girls at the front and they were like shouting sort of randomly in the middle of the film in inappropriate moments and then really making each other crack up. And I was like, oh my God, I'm officially middle-aged and grumpy. <laughs> I really want someone to go, shh. But no one said shush to them the whole way through. That's Norway. People are so polite. When I watched it, I just thought, okay, this is like, to your point earlier, there's been so much bad news, so much heavy energy in the world. I was ready to take on all the rainbow sparkles and glitter, sunshine of Barbie world. And I was, I mean, I really just, just absorbed it like sunshine, you know, I was loving mm-hmm. it. I really loved the first um, bit of it, like when it was all happy world and I loved, I'm not Like, again, I'm not going to try and give it away, but when Ken comes into the scene and he has his storyline, I was cracking up so much. And I was really thinking, this is really hard. And I was really feeling for the director. It's really hard to stay on the brand Barbie, like stay in the brand playbook. And it's what they need to sell Barbies and Mm
1: -hmm. try to make
0: a feminist film. Thinking, this is actually impossible mission. I think they did a really good job. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thought Margot Robbie was fantastic. Loved all the different diverse characters. Yes, I got the ending and I understood the main message, but it was weird. I don't feel feelings. I feel like mm. it's clever, but I'm not feeling feelings. Like when I first saw *Therma and Louise* when I was like 14, and I was like, that rocked my world. Like it, I know it's not the perfect feminist film, but it rocked my world. The message in that film. Yeah. When I saw *Legally Blonde* i loved that film oh i loved that
1: film too yeah
0: and like it's hard like i just think legally blonde there was something about reese witherspoon and her character i just fell in love with and i was yeah. thinking the whole Elwood's world was amazing so for me i didn't feel anything <laughs> that's the main takeaway i can completely relate to that because most people have also said they liked
1: the beginning and they got a bit bored more towards the end i weirdly almost had a bit of a reverse in the sense that I felt really uncomfortable right from the beginning oh. in that the tone was uneven and I was really confused at what angle they were going through from because it felt both like you're trying to be feminist and satirical but at the same time there's something not quite landing it feels very much like you can feel the Mattel's hand behind it it's yeah. it's like sort of self-referential but it's also and I was very unclear on the the tone it was just it felt uneven for me and then later there were there were messages that i understood in and of themselves i just don't think it was smooth overall i mean the first thing i noticed was that like you said they had the diversity of all the different um Mm -hmm. barbies and there was there was a a big barbie um lawyer barbie but i remember the first thing thinking was I know that Barbie has a lot of different iterations, but I absolutely doubt they've got a Barbie that that is that size. So it felt very much like, okay, well, are they going to bring that out? Because this feels a bit like they're ticking the boxes on the screen, but it doesn't
0: represent what's actually real. Sorry to jump in because I do have a point about this because I was intrigued. and I ended up Googling when I got home, like what her doll was. So I looked mm-hmm. her up and who she was, and I thought I recognised her. She, she's Sharon Rooney, playing the lawyer Barbie, and she's known for, which well, is a Scottish actress, in Mad Fat Diary. Have you ever seen that?
1: <gasps> I did not recognise her, but I have seen that, and I loved that show because it felt like the first show I'd ever seen something, seen a character that was, even like remotely resembling my experience of life without it then being like a, a a total downer that there was no love interest. There was, you know, mm-hmm. uh, not just the like loser sidekick. This was like the main character and I, you know, that I loved that show. Um, yeah. So I didn't realise it was her. Yeah, but in this film,
0: mm-hmm.
1: she was there, but she had no character and no agency
0: and no, you had no sense of who she was as a mm. character. Yeah, she and that was interesting because when I went onto the Barbie website to look at the dolls that have been manufactured for this film, They've got all of them except lawyer Barbie and also, dare I say it, the trans Barbie. Oh, interesting. So they've avoided those two.
1: They wanted to, to make sure they ticked yeah. it on the screen, but they were like, yeah, we're not going to follow through. So what did you think of the film, particularly Ken? You know, what's really interesting is Ken was probably, for me, the best part of the film, mm-hmm. um, which is ironic because it's all about... Um, female empowerment and they're supposed to be uh subsidiary characters you know margot is an amazing actress and i think mm-hmm. she did really well but ryan gosling knocked it out of the park partly because i think he just had the he had the most established character with nuance and um he had the funniest lines in a way mm-hmm. i saw on twitter that people were complaining that he's getting the most credit for being the best part of the film despite the fact that it's supposed to be all about female empowerment it's like the one male ca- main Male character who's supporting is actually getting all the praise. And a comment regarding this was I agree the optics aren't great, but can't you kind of blame the film itself for this? Ken is written with the most outlandish personality, many of the best jokes, a decently sympathetic ending, and even his own song, which was hilarious. And it feels like by design, he was destined to be the fan favorite. And I agree with that. Yes. It was the most cohesive character and storyline. The other ones were very. It was confusing who was the message was from and what the message of the film was, um, because
0: it felt like they were conflicting in certain parts. Mm. What did you think of Ken? I have to say that I agree. Like for me, he's really memorable. I came home and I just talked to my partner about him. I was like, it was so funny his scenes. Mm. I didn't really have much to say about Barbie or stereotypical Barbie played by Margot Robbie. I just think that, yeah, I think it was difficult, wasn't it? Because she's like the centerpiece of the film, Barbie, but she's kind of like the foil for him. Well, yeah,
1: I mean, I would say, and interestingly, the other really great character was, or entertaining character, was Will Ferrell as the CEO of Mattel. So it's interesting in this whole show that has all these female characters the the, no i was just say
0: alan i thought
1: alan was fun alan was brilliant too yeah so actually my favorite characters were the three men interestingly which goes against my natural Mm. impulse in general i mean you know i'll choose novels written by women about women those are my you know jam Mm. but what felt was they were so trying to force a sort of agenda of what they were trying to say and make it really progressive and appealing and yet still push a sort of corporate thing of wanting to rebrand that it was just mismatched in the female characters whereas actually the male characters had that freedom to just be
0: funny. But this is the thing right Um, because you think of Elle Woods and Legally Blonde right Mm. Miss With A Spoon I think is a naturally Brilliant comic actress. And I think uh, Margot Robbie, have I seen her? I mean, I, Tonya had that dark comedy to it, and I know she can do play comedy. But I, for me, it's like, is it the actress not able no. to pull off the comedy, or is it the part wasn't written like Elwood's, like funny, you know? For me, the main, I thought Margot Robbie was an excellent
1: actress and even America Ferreira but the issue for me was the writing and Mm -hmm. the direction which is interesting because it's gotten praised so much and that actually what was really interesting was I knew the critics reviews um were were all positive so far the general consensus so on Rotten Tomatoes it's currently got a rating of 90 Mm percent and I remember watching it thinking I'm not enjoying this what something's wrong with this but then doubting myself because everyone's going on about how amazing it is and how clever it is and how witty it is and how progressive it is. And, and I, you know, it was really interesting how I started questioning myself and it really reminds me of the, the bystander effect and, um, social proof, which, um, is that when situations are considered ambiguous, if you're not really sure of what you think, you are driven by the assumption that people around you know more than you do. So, you know, sort of if you have an opinion by yourself and suddenly everyone around you is saying the opposite, you go, oh, I might be wrong. And that really came in for me because I started going, have I missed something? Have I just missed it? Why? why aren't I liking it? Like everyone else is saying it's amazing. I, I What's wrong yeah, with me?
0: <laughs> exactly. But do you think on some level, like people are calling this a very woke film? Do you think people are scared to give it a bad review? Because they're like, I mean, she's got all the credentials, the director, isn't she? Greta Gerwig. I've loved a lot of her films too, going back to Frances Hart. Yeah, me too. Exactly. So I feel like even when the New York Times started to do an interview with her, they're like, I think everyone's like, oh, but she's so cool. And she's like, done this I I don't want to call it in a derogatory way woke but what I mean is it's a shortcut for saying basically it's like right on and it's cool and it's very now it's like nobody really wants to go against that you know what I mean well Barbie was on the cover of time even so it's getting a lot of
1: even gravitas for something that's considered um possibly a bit more fluffy and what's really interesting is um the way that they've positioned it is that it's very meta and it's very self um taking the piss out of itself and it's very mm-hmm. satirical mm-hmm. so the easy argument there is it sets itself up so that if you don't really think it works then it's because you don't really get the irony so you're not smart enough you know what mm-hmm. I mean there's a setup that well if you don't like it, it's just because you don't get it you're not smart enough it's actually really really clever mm-hmm. and I'm like no, I don't think it's as clever as it thinks it
0: is and <laughs> you know but clever doesn't always make you feel right and that's my point you don't feel yeah, it. Yeah,
1: there was, there was you know, there's a, a really big uh, motivational speech at one point. I grew conceptually what they were trying to say, and yet it left me cold, that mm-hmm. actual speech. So there was something that wasn't quite landing for me. I didn't quite believe what they were saying or that they meant what they were saying. And that's 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 where I was left cold, I think. There was that element of like, you really felt the corporate hand behind it. And I felt quite cynical as to, do you believe what you're saying? <laughs> it yeah. feels like maybe Mattel corporate board wrote it. <laughs> yeah like Barbie really does have the power to do all this stuff does she, you know
0: I think we get you we're so diverse we get yeah. you yeah yeah
1: there was a BBC News tweet that said why are we all obsessed with a Barbie movie and mm-hmm. interestingly it's like is that actually true or are we all being tricked into thinking that we are? Oh. So I saw some interesting replies, one of which was, we aren't, it's just a massive saturation campaign on all fronts that results in the feeling of, it must be good because it seems so popular. It might be a good film, but at the moment it is hype, which to be fair, seems to be very successful. And someone else wrote, I'm more obsessed by the mold growing on the cheese in my nan's fridge. Oh. <laughs> so, so yeah, no, I, I think it's like, Mm. And you don't know, I don't know how the world of uh, movie reviews works and how much they're given kickbacks to promote certain things. I don't know. But I'm
0: naturally cynical about it. So, yeah. Me too. So let's go into some of the comments about Barbie that we found. So they range from the positive. This tweet, Barbie is bright and pink and girly and joyful instead of moody and blue and grey like so many movies lately. Yeah, I totally get that because I often just sometimes want some... Uh, frippery, let's call
1: it, uh, you know, something uplifting, something fun. Pink was my favorite color as a child. I was, you know, I wasn't a tomboy at all. And I get that. And also there's definitely something fun about dressing up like, um, you know, and liking all these things. I used to watch the Oscars and, and I don't wear heels around the house, but there's part of me that looks at all these pretty things. And I think that's why like six and sex in the city when it came out, it's yes. just, like, oh, so many pretty things. And then at the same time, you feel like maybe you're selling out, you're letting down your feminist um, ideals and that I'm just reinforcing the idea that women are only to be looked at. And maybe I only like it because I've been socially conditioned to think that I should like it. Maybe actually this is a whole, you know, I don't like it, but I don't know any better. And then you go round and round circles and you go, sometimes you just want to be, you just want to dress up and that's okay too. And you just want to, you know, have unicorn cupcakes at your 30th birthday which yes I did (laughs) Um,
0: yeah yeah I think it's really interesting you said this about Sex and the City because like I feel that femininity you know when she was wearing all those netted skirts like Carrie Mm. and those little doll shoes she'd wear on her feet you know it does feel very Barbie-esque doesn't it so it's kind of like it's never gone away and I think that in yeah I mean I know we have the right to be tomboys and you know, in and dungarees and play as well. But there is something about like, are we allowed to embrace that super feminine side of ourselves still without being seen as like a bimbo or sort of exactly. silly, you know, or girly. Mm. And on TikTok, there's been this whole bimbo trend
1: where um, feminine presenting content creators are reclaiming the once derogatory bimbo label and aesthetic. So, you know, supposedly instead of abandoning femininity to succeed in a patriarchal society, Bimbo feminism embraces femininity while supporting women's advancements. But it's, mm, I think it's problematic. It's a bit like reclaiming the word slut. I'm I'm like, why can't I just enjoy my sexuality without it being derived down to like that? Am I just buying,
0: am am I just feeding into the, the same machine in a way? But this is reminding me of like this strange kind of moment that playboy had i don't know if it still does like in the mid 2000s you know paris yes. Hilton, playboy mansion you know suddenly um the playboy brand was yeah it was for women you know it was kind of like like the thing to look really sexy and yeah we're going into like this whole other thing but it's weird like <laughs> yeah, how barbie I mean. has sort of she really originally was like a sex toy kind of gift for men She's kind of just continued, but in different kind of guises over the decades, you know?
1: Well, it's interesting to me because she said, you know, there are no dolls for girls to play as adults in an inspira- in an aspirational way. But why did they have to look like a sex doll then? She could have created a like, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg doll. You know, you, did, you did, it, why did it have to be Why was
0: that element so important? So that's what I find interesting. There's a flagship toy shop right next to the cinema I went to in Oslo. I mean, it's the most beautiful toy shop. I went in there after the film. I've not been in there ever. I thought I'd just go in there because I don't have kids. I'll go in there and just see what Barbie looks like. What, What are they selling now? And I said, oh, I couldn't see Barbie. I said, where is she? Oh, we don't sell Barbie. I said, why not? And she goes, Oh, yeah, we just don't like her from a psychological perspective. She's not healthy for young girls' self-esteem. In fact, you need to look at these dolls. So she showed me these dolls, and they've all been designed by kids, for kids, with nine-year-old girl bodies. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I was so like, go Norway. And like also that they resisted the pressure of Barbie and all the marketing, because mm. I was thinking they've not done any windows to do with Barbie. They've not, yeah, I have to just applaud uh, Norway for like sort of actually not giving into it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. So, going back to the comments. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, other comments um about the film, they've highlighted the inconsistencies and you know, like we said about the film being too meta. Time magazine said it's a movie that's enormously pleased with itself. Barbie never lets us forget how clever it's being every exhausting minute. On yeah, yeah,
1: I have to agree with that, to be honest. I have to agree with that. Because I think when you go to Barbie, what you're looking for is some escapism. And, and, and it's jarring how they're trying to put the two things together. But in a, yeah, no, it was annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> There was also some people still criticizing that it's still damaging to women. Mm. There was another tweet that said, everyone needs to stop acting like women are closeted Stepford wives. There are plenty of things to unite women that don't involve everyone wearing pink to a movie. And that's sort of in response to everyone going, this is like so great that we can finally all be together and have a female a, a female cultural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And then interestingly, from people saying it's not actually as really feminist after all you had people completely on the other side of the pendulum saying it's way too feminist and it's got a woke agenda so um there was one tweet that said i'm a sucker for robbie and gosling and this movie looked irreverent and cheeky but i'm not going to subject myself and my family to a two-hour feminist screed based on a children's toy that unironically uses the word patriarchy 11 times what an absolute waste of what looked to be a really fun incredibly and whimsically designed idea hmm And so she's counted the number of times patriarchy comes in. And, you know, like I've read a lot of uh, feminist literature, but it it did feel very on the nose, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And there's also been a lot of criticism from the, you know, far-right US conservatives saying it's, you know, way too woke and pushing an agenda. So there was one tweet that said, warning, do not take your child to the new Barbie film. It's full of demonic influences. And do not be surprised if your child suddenly starts to behave differently. Wow, that's impressive for a film. And then it, well, there was one response that I absolutely loved that said, well, that does it. I'm going to see Barbie and maybe I'll share my popcorn with a
0: demon or two. Oh <laughs> so, my goodness. That amused oh. me. <laughs> Do you think Barbie can right its wrongs?
1: Well, I think that's the aim that has been gone in with for this film, either genuinely or cynically because that's the mood of the time now and they want to get back into popularity but it was interesting i didn't realize this but the film was originally marketed with a tagline that said if you hate barbie this is the film for you Mm -hmm. and it really made me think of that scene in elvis where they have the i love elvis badges and the i hate elvis badges and the manager Mm -hmm. was saying we want everyone's money so you know we're not just going to go for the people who love Barbie. If we can go for the people who hate Barbie as well, we can get both sides of the coin. And I thought that was a really interesting Mm -hmm. approach. It's like they've gone in knowing that there's already some criticism towards Barbie and they're trying Mm -hmm. to
0: re-spin it, I suppose. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of that, like you said, with the sort of American conservatives saying they're going to go and hate watch Barbie and then write rants about it (laughs) Or, or, or make rants about it on YouTube. Mattel are enjoying that money
1: either way. They don't give a shit. So you're just feeding into it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting is, I think they went in knowing that they'd have to respond to this sort of history of feminist criticism. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: they wanted to address it sort of head on, almost like head it off. Mm. But this production has gone through a lot of ups and downs. So it's been in the works for quite a lot of years. And originally they had Diable Cody as the original writer, who was the writer of Juno, and she's she's I think she's won an Oscar. And she said, when I was first hired for this in 2014, taking this skinny blonde white doll and making her into a heroine was a tall order. Mm. I didn't really have the freedom then to write something that was faithful to the iconography. They wanted a girl boss feminist twist on Barbie, and I couldn't figure it out because that's not what Barbie is. They went through another um, iteration with Amy Schumer, who was supposed to be writing and starring in it. And I think I'm not a huge Amy Schumer fan, but it would have been interesting to see um, a regular
0: Barbie, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But she left the production because of creative differences as well. The Amy Schumer version was going to feature her being sort of kicked out of Barbie world because she wasn't pretty enough, which I actually found quite funny. I think I could have got on board with that because I
1: feel like they'd be taking the piss out of it, but in a way that I could actually get behind the character. And I I do love Margot Robbie, but it's like they were trying to do that, but but also not do it at the same time, and it was very Mm -hmm. conflicting. Mm -hmm. And so the problem that they had with this um, existing feminist backlash... Carol Hay, Professor of Feminist Philosophy, she, she said, um, I think Barbie has long functioned as a proxy onto which cultural aspirations and anxieties about womanhood are projected. Like many feminists, I came to believe that being taken seriously as a woman meant rejecting pretty much everything that Barbie stood for. But then she actually goes on to say um, that she's reconsidered and she, she says the hyperbolic femininity of Margot Robbie's portrayal of the iconic doll strikes me as tantalizingly closer to queer camp than as anything that's supposed to be taken as a sincere role model. Mm, That's interesting. Yeah, and Helen O'Hara from Stylist said, it's not a feminist utopia because that would be more equal, but a hilarious upending of our own reality. Mm. And where I'm left with it is that I I feel quite conflicted. Has it changed my opinion of Barbie? I'm not sure. I, I don't have any children. I probably won't. But if I had a daughter, would I buy her a Barbie doll? No, probably not. It's hard. You don't want them to be left out if, if that's what everyone's got at the time. But I would try so hard not to get her one because it really just sits wrong. I wish they had made that uh, body shop one. That would have been lovely. Or one that has more of a girl's body like you were talking about Norway. That would,
0: that would appeal to me a lot more. Did you have a Barbie when you were growing up?
1: Um, you know, it all merges. I definitely had them, but I think some were Cindy's rather than Barbies. I think I did have some Barbies, but more of the Cindy's, but not a huge amount. I didn't have any of the accessories. Like I remember a, uh, a friend who had the like Malibu beach house playhouse thing. And I was like, oh! but my mum would never have got the car or the house. That would have been way too expensive. I had to put them in upturned stools and use that those as the make
0: believe car. So <laughs> that's, that's what I, I had. How about you? I was I was really into Barbie at one point. And like you, they were very expensive, very coveted in the eighties, mm. especially. Like they almost felt like a collector's item, not just a toy, because I never forget on my eighth birthday I got a peach and the cream one. Oh, what a day. Opening up <laughs> and seeing that present, like in all her sparkly, peachy, creamy glory. And I still feel like, like a bit of a heartache when I think about how beautiful she was. And just as like, ah, and then you just sort of um play with her. And I think that, I don't know if I was playing with her for like two years or just Barbies in general, and I kind of got the other kind of glittery, sparkly Barbies in the 80s. And then she did end up kind of being given down to my sisters and they always like would butcher her and things. I don't know why. Maybe they just hated my Barbies. You know, I think there's a weird thing going on with sisters and Barbies. Mm, Well, you don't want to hand me down. Often I'd find my Barbies um, two years later buried in the garden you know, or like just the head sticking out, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. But it's weird, because maybe I was a weird kid, but the best toy gifts I got growing up were things like, um, I got an actual um, child's proper toolkit when I was five, not (laughs) four. Um, I got this miniature plastic potter's wheel that actually worked, so you could do, make your own pottery, but on a, just a sort of small scale plastic one and yeah things like and then I had a lot of chemistry and science kids <laughs> so that was more love the it. direction that I mean I had a full-scale
0: dressing up box and um you know tiaras and shit too oh. but like yeah dressing up box I mean that's the thing when I was reminiscing about playing when I was younger because you know the theme of the sort of the film is like imagine what you could be growing up and it's like well I used to just be in the dressing up box thinking that I was george michael in a wham video you know with the big t-shirt that said yes on it and then the tiara and the ballet dresses and do more physical dance routines and playing type of stuff yeah yeah pretending that we were the goonies yeah yeah i mean i grew up on a farm so we
1: did a lot of like playing in the pond area doing you know fake cooking with
0: mud um running around outside much more of that i think yeah, and it was interesting because I asked our listeners if they played with Barbie and had Barbies and what their relationship to Barbie was. And a lot of people said, and I've forgotten about Cindy, because I had a Cindy as yeah, well. Yeah, I had a Cindy. Because my mum was like, I can't afford Barbie. You're going to get a Cindy? And then I'd just be crying my eyes out because I didn't like her face. I was like, she's not Barbie. She looks awful like this compared to... But And a lot of our um, listeners said, yeah, you know what? I was overruled. Not allowed to have a Barbie. It's too expensive. Too adult bodied, the Barbie was. Um, and then some said that we, you know, I was a bit of a tomboy, so I, I really didn't care for her. And someone said they um, liked Cindy more, but Barbie had all the cute outfits, which is really hard, I think, for Cindy to keep up with, right? Yeah. Poor old Cindy. <laughs> I know, but Cindy was British. I actually wonder what happened to Cindy. What, she's going to have a revival. <laughs> and yeah. someone said that Barbie's like the American West Coast beauty, but Cindy's much more of your aspirational friend who lives next door. I was always very aware when I was a little girl that Barbie had a very adult body with big boobs and I didn't. Mm. Um, So, like I said, I would adore her for a while and play dress up and all this stuff. But I think a big part of it is I've read a lot about, and I also asked our listeners what they have done to Barbie over the years, because I think I can't be the only one. Like, they have this... Ongoing joke in the film, also about Barbies that get a bit abused. But I um, used to <laughs> yeah. cut her hair just to see if yeah. she could withstand some things, like and still be beautiful and still be poised. Because there's mm. part of me that was rebelling against the perfection and just the thinness. And um, other people um, also said they said they kind of did experiments on her. Like one said. I used crimpers on her hair, but it melted on the plate, so I was devastated. So that was more of an accident. Mm. This is a bit worse. I pulled her head off because she wasn't standing straight. (laughs) Bad Barbie. Bad. (laughs) And then you um, don't deserve a (laughs) head. Exactly. Someone else said that I'd make her do house chores while waiting for Ken to get back from work, which is like, I think, yeah. Mm. That's a pretty awful thing to do to your Barbie. And then (laughs) And I think I relate to this one also. My friend's Barbie came apart in the middle and was held together with sticky tape. Which is like <laughs> was she sawed in the middle? Like you know when like magicians yeah. I was like, do they really saw them in half? <laughs> well, it's
1: interesting because I burnt her hair and I don't know if you've ever smelt synthetic oh. hair burning. It is it stays with you but i don't think i can't remember whether i did it on purpose i know that i think i accidentally um put it on a heater and it it singed it and then i was like well that's an interesting thing and then i think i did more to see how it worked. yeah and you know what's interesting when you say about this body and this anger towards the mm-hmm. body what i really liked much more was and i can't remember what they were called but it was basically like um, almost a, a life-size head and shoulders yes. Yes. and you could do the hair and you could do the makeup. I yeah. love that aspect, yes. but I was almost happy it didn't have a body. I didn't want to deal with the body. I wanted to do the hair and makeup. So I think that's interesting and I
0: wonder how much that role about body image and stuff yeah. plays in that. Yeah, I do like what one of our listeners said that um, Barbie made me want to be a decorative stay-at-home wife, which I feel ultimately for me, Barbie is still stuck in that she has to be aesthetically beautiful. She's the main character in the film. That's mm. the main energy. And she's not like, they're never going to like have like lawyer Barbie as the lead character. No. No, but I think I would want that more if they could give her a better character. But just a side note, just to say when they showed curvy Barbie in a focus group to young girls, as young as six, and they were used to playing with normal Barbie. They said things like, and it really alarmed the researchers, they called her, they threw her across the room and said, she's fat, I don't wanna play with her. And they were really (sighs) disturbed by that. And they knew they had trouble marketing the plus size curvy Barbie. And the curvy Barbie wasn't big. It was a size eight, we said. Yeah, they were already trained on the silhouette of Barbie, normal size Barbie. uh, So they were stressed by that. (laughs) With Yeah. So Sarah, I think we've covered a lot about Barbie. Yes. What are our final thoughts? Well, you know, the current Barbie
1: trends and they've called it Barbie core and Barbie mania, and, and it's filtered down into fashion and everything. It seems to be everywhere at the moment, but, and it's been described as a f- cultural phenomenon and it does seem to be everywhere. Definitely. But I have to be honest, I'm, I'm a bit confused about the appeal myself. I do understand that after the last few years, we're all craving something light and uplifting. And I loved Legally Blonde. In a way, I'd like a bit more of that. But it's hard to actually tell how genuinely popular it is or whether we've all sort of been collectively brainwashed into Mm -hmm. believing the hype. And there is certainly a lot of hype. I think we can all agree on that. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen this much large-scale marketing since... I mean, I can't really remember the last time I saw something with this saturation of of marketing it's hard to really just enjoy it for what it is when the corporate stamp of mattel is so omnipresent i mean they're even in the film um, as a character as a a plot point Mm. so it's just you can't escape from it and maybe i'm just a bit too cynical but it does feel like a massive push to cash in rebrand fight off disney princesses and regain their position in the market Mm. That said, there were some really fun moments and the production design was very impressive, but I don't see myself starting to wear pink anytime soon, so (laughs) that's where I am.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I agree with a lot of your points.
1: And I just want to leave you with this tweet I saw, which I found quite amusing, which was, I saw a little girl playing with a Barbie doll and an action man the other day. I said, oh, I thought Barbie came with Ken. She said, no, Barbie comes with Action Man, she fakes it with Ken.
0: (laughs) Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you in two weeks. We do. Thank you to our lovely producer, Emily. If you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to leave a review and subscribe. It really does help us in reaching more people. You can also follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at s 2 tc Podcast. You can find out more about the show, get behind the scenes. Come and say hello. Until then, see you next time. This podcast has been produced by
1: Emily Crosby Media.